Hello and welcome. Um, this is the first episode of AP World History and Overview. I am Sydney and this is period one. Alright, so just a quick little thing about how this is going to work. So for each period of AP World, I'm going to give an overview of what happened um, and then I'm going to go through and we're going to relate what we learned in the overview to the key concepts. So the first thing that happens in AP world history, basically, is the migration out of Africa. And that is when people start to spread out from East Africa to Egypt and Arabia and then eventually to the Middle East, South Asia, Europe, South Africa, West Africa the New World, Central Asia, all the places that we know people live today, they all of those people originated in East Africa. And then after the spreading out of people, or and still really early in the history of time, um, we have our hunter-gatherer societies. And these are nomadic societies, as well as egalitarian societies, which is something that is very different from what we see as a historical trend throughout time. But these people basically moved around um, because they did not grow their own food. They had to keep moving. And men usually hunted for game, while women uh, usually gathered buried for food. And they probably lived one of the simplest lifestyles that we know of today. Now, people eventually began to realize that they could grow their own food, um, especially when they would return to the areas they used to be where they uh, foraged and those berries had grown back. Um, so people began to realize this and this marked a change from the nomadism into an agriculturalism society where people began to grow their own food, especially foods like wheat. Um, this also caused the formation of permanent settlements. So with agriculturalism, people didn't have a reason to move around anymore. Um, and some negatives, I guess some would say, came out of this because this led to the patriarchy formation, which is something we see throughout history. Um, but this started when um, people began to settle down and women had to do chores in the home and take care of the kids while the men started to provide. So this is where we see that split. Um, this also led to increased time for people um, now that they were growing their food and not constantly having to look for it. Um, this led to specialization of labor. Now people have more time to do things and create new things. So from this, we got pottery, early forms of pottery, uh, arts, architecture, um, people started to make tools, um, <coughs> wheels, and even government started to form. So that all came from the increased time from agriculturalism. Now groups of people that did not settle down and did not partake in agriculturalism, um, they partook in pastoralism. And these people still moved around, they were nomadic groups and they really depended on their animals. They even sometimes depended on their animals for their products that they could uh, sustain themselves on. But and these people were really good at 
the taming of animals for human use or domestication. So these people um, really worked with their animals. Um, they moved around in arid landscapes most of the time, and they're also one of the earliest contributors to technology. So that's going to include our iron swords, um, tools, composite bows and arrows, and chariots. So pastoralism, um, or pastoralist groups, helped society gain all of these things. Now let's talk about some of our civilizations and the first one I want to talk about is Mesopotamia and this is one of the earliest civilizations that we know of. Um, so this is nicknamed the land between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers because that's exactly where it was and this is where agriculture first developed. Um, these people had a dependence on grains, animal products, ox plows, etc. And they were some of the first to use an irrigation system. So they used a canal system to water crops and maintain their agricultural production by utilizing water from rain and the rivers and all those kind of things. So they, they started developing these kinds of technologies. Um, they also developed a base number system, um, wheeled carts, temples, and metallurgy. Um, so this is all the things that they developed probably through uh, the allowance of specialization of labor. One of the things they built were these things called ziggurats, and these were places of administration that also um, served as religious centers and honored the gods of the cities. And these were used by all of the Sumerians, Syrians, and Babylonians. So this is sort of like the center of like life in these cities. One of the things they developed is cuneiform, which is the very first method of writing. Um, this was a like several hundred triangular wedge sign system, and they used it for record keeping, um, law writing, storytelling, etc. So this is a really efficient way of keeping track of things in this time in society. Um, because of cuneiform, the first literary work that was ever written down, or the first literary work that we ever discovered, was the Epic of Gilgamesh, which originated in Mesopotamia. Um, this was the story of Gilgamesh, who is a half-king, half-god, and he wants immortality. Um, so yeah, all the development of cuneiform led to the development of stories being written down. Um, another thing that was written down was the Code of Hammurabi. And this was a one of the very first law codes, and it was inscribed on a black stone pillar. Um, this was developed by Hammurabi, who was a Babylonian king, and he provided like detailed and long examples for judges to use when deciding cases. Um, this also reflected an eye-for-an-eye eye philosophy, so an example of that is if you build a house for me, and you didn't build it well and that house falls in and I die, um, then you have to die too, basically. Um, however, this also reflected the hierarchy that came to be in these societies because punishments were often worse if you were from the lower class. So for the same offense, someone from the lower class could die where someone from the upper class may pay a fine. Um, 
Things that came to be in Mesopotamia, another thing was the city-states. So these were independent urban centers with surrounding agricultural fields. And this is where like the preliminary government formation occurred and kind of where most of the people lived in these societies since there was that center and then the agricultural fields around it to work in and produce in. Um, earliest trade in time took place between these city-states. So between Mesopotamia and Egypt, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and places like Egypt and Nubia. Um, I kind of mentioned this before, but in this time, the patriarchy formed and the women lost freedoms. They stayed at home and laws in these societies began to favor men over women. So now let's move on to Egypt. This is another civilization based on the Nile River and their form of writing was hieroglyphics. Um, these are pictures and symbols standing for words, syllables, and sounds. Um, still in ancient Egypt, they can be found on monuments and inscriptions. Um, that's what they did. And this language was a very difficult language. Only a certain number of scribes had mastered it, and it was not usually used by the common people. Um, the leader of these societies, or the society in Egypt, were the pharaohs. And there was a belief among the Egyptian people that pharaohs were gods sent to earth to maintain divine order, or ma'at, in society. So the, these pharaohs provided a link between the people and the gods, and they ruled, they ruled with absolute power and responsible for the safety of the people. Now, this goes hand in hand with the pyramids because the most elite, um, especially the pharaohs, were buried in pyramids. And there was a extensive mummification process for this because people held a strong belief in the afterlife. So they believed if they properly buried the divine ruler that this would guarantee the continued prosperity of Egypt. I want to talk about one more civilization, actually maybe, well, one more really important one and then a couple more. But this is the Indus River Valley Civilization. So this emerged over in South Asia. Um, and this was like the emergence of permanent settlements kind of scattered around such as Harappa and Mohenjo-Daro. Um, these people ate local foods, plants, and animals, and which led to a higher food availability. And they also interacted with the earliest form of trade with Mesopotamia, able to get goods that were not local. Actually, we can go ahead and talk about a couple other ones. So in Central and East Asia, we have the Shang Dynasty. Um, these people were the first to domesticate the horse in 2000 BCE, and they rode horses for military and transportation. Um, they were located on the Yellow River Valley, and they used military strength and strategy to expand their civilization. Um, they also had a divine ruler in contact with God, and kind of remember that because this is a trend throughout history until we get into the more modern periods, when people start to realize that that may not be the best thing for them. Um, cities were also political and social centers, they were built on like a well thought out grid system with a really good like systematic approach and these served for hub as hubs for people along trading routes 
and they were surrounded by fields for agricultural production, similarly to the Mesopotamian city-states. Um, in the Americas, there were two civilizations that kind of set the stage for the civilizations we see later, um, the Olmecs in Central and South America. Um, they also um, took part in the specialization of labor because it led to large-scale religious and civic buildings being built, as well as large-scale irrigation and canal projects. Um, religion was very important to the Olmecs. They built huge stone buildings and sacred plazas, and they performed really elaborate rituals to honor the many deities of the city. Um, so these ways of life influenced the following civilizations that we're going to talk about, especially in period three. Um, the Chauvin uh, were the first to develop, to develop the ways to live in the mountains in the climate of Peru, because this was very difficult. And they developed terracing, which was the cutting of the mountains into steps so they could grow food there. Um, they also developed irrigation techniques, built plazas just like the Olmecs, and they used a reciprocal labor system for roads and irrigation. And this is interesting because this is something we talk about a lot with the Incan Nita system. So they provided the basis and foundation for that really effective system. Um, they also had llamas that were useful for wool and transportation. Okay, so let's talk about Europe and Oceania for a minute. Um, these places did not have a huge impact in period one since this was only um, up until 600 BCE. But in Europe, um, early city-states emerged along the Mediterranean, such as Byblos, Tyre, and Carthage. And these city-states set the standard for the for the future emergence of the really prosperous trade on the Mediterranean Sea trade. And this location even led to some early trade and commerce, which was an integral part of the city-state's prosperity. Um, in Oceania, not a lot has gone on right now, except the mammoth goes extinct in um, 2500 BCE, which is sad. And round one of the Polynesian migrations occurs from 1600 BCE to 900 BCE. And these people explored the Pacific Ocean and settled on islands in the Pacific Ocean. So now let's talk about some religions. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about because I think it was one of the most interesting things we learned about throughout the year. And I learned a lot of new things. Like, I've never heard of Zoroastrianism before. And I'm assuming a lot of you guys haven't either. So let's start with that. Um, and this is the emergence of monotheism in some of these societies. Because as before, like when I talked about in Mesopotamia, um, and a religion I'll talk about later, Hinduism, um, that was a belief in many, many, many gods. Um, but in Zoroastrianism, there's only one god, and his name is Ahura Mazda. And he has an opposer who is the evil Angramainu. Um, this one god, he is emanated by his Amisha serpents, and the prophet of this religion is Zoroaster, and he received a divine vision, and a lot of people didn't believe him, and eventually, King Vishtaspa accepted his teachings, and this eventually became a really prominent religion in Persia, um, not as so much today anymore, but in the Persian Empire. 
Um, another monotheistic religion is Judaism. And as you guys probably know, this is a still very prevalent religion today. Um, so this was also the belief of one God, Yahweh. And um, the Jewish people held the belief that Israel would punish them if foreign ideas were adopted. So they were very strict about their ideas. Um, they lived by strict rules. You know, they didn't eat pork, um, no work on the Sabbath at all. Um, something occurred in Judaism early, which is the diaspora, which is the scattering of Jews from Israel. So a lot of the Jewish community had to spread out um, and they developed things called synagogues or places of worship um, in foreign communities as meeting places. So back to South Asia, one of the things that gave rise to the very prominent religion, Hinduism, was the Vedic Age. Um, in the Vedic Age, there was something called the Vedas, which is the religious text of this, as well as the Rig Veda, which is the passing of traditions down orally, which is something that happened all the time in this day and age. Um, the Vedic Age also um, saw the emergence of social class structure, which Varna, they began to use the hereditary class system. And the Vedic class system gave rise to the Hindu class system through syncretism. So in Hinduism, the social class structure or hierarchy um, starts with pariahs, that's like your undesirables, and then up the ladder to Sudras, Vaisha, Kshatriya, and finally Brahmin, who are like your priests. Um, Kshatriya are like your military personnel, and then Vaisha, Sudras, you know, you're getting into your like peasant kind of levels. Um, Brahmin is the, so Brahmin is the last level, and after Brahmin, if you get reincarnated and you're like a really great Brahmin, you can reach the ultimate goal of moksha, which is like eternal sleep, but like, like you've done the best you can in life. Like, like that is the ultimate goal of life. So they believe in reincarnation. Um, depending on how you lived your life, you enter a lower or higher social class each time you're reincarnated. So let's say you're a Vaisha. If you're a really good Vaisha and you live a really good life, um, you know, acts of kindness, things like that, you might be reincarnated as a Kshatriya. But if you're really mean, really bad to people, you're going to be reincarnated as a Sudras. Um, the Hindu also held beliefs in many gods, as I said before. So Dharma is the moral code that all Hindus are held to. Um, Brahma is the creator god, while Vishnu is the preserver god, and Shiva is a destroyer god. So that's only a couple gods, uh, some of the most important ones, but all Hindus held beliefs in each of these gods, and each of them directed different aspects of life. So one more thing about um, Hinduism, um, their architecture reflected their case system. So, like, well, if you see a lot of Hindu architecture, they have a lot of, like, different levels. A lot of towers are, like, based on lower or higher levels. And that is representative of the very strict case system where you have a lower social class or a higher social class. So, if you look up, like, a picture of Hindu architecture, you'll be able to see the classic system reflected in that work. 
So now we're going to go through each of the key concepts of period one and kind of relate what I just talked about and what you've learned throughout period one to the key concepts because it's really important to understand these to understand the entirety of the course. So key concept 1.1, we're going to start there. Um, this says throughout the Paleolithic era, humans developed sophisticated technologies and adapted to different geographical environments as they migrated from Africa to Eurasia, Australasia, and the Americas. So we began by talking about how humans migrated out of Africa and the things they had to adapt to as they settled. So I said that um, they originated in hunter-gatherer societies, but as they changed to agriculturalism, um, a lot of changes occurred and they had to develop things like irrigation and specialization of labor as they adapted to these things. So 1.1.1 says, archaeological evidence indicates that during the Paleolithic era, hunter-forger bands of humans gradually migrated from their origin in East Africa to Eurasia, Australia, and the Americas, adapting their technology and cultures to new climate regions. So that's kind of what we talked about, especially in each of the civilizations, adapting to where they were. Um, it says, humans developed increasingly diverse and sophisticated tools, including multiple uses of fire, as they adapted to new environments. So while we may not think that these are super sophisticated technologies and tools, for this time, um, this was an emergence of a brand new thing. Humans discovered how to use fire, and they discovered how to build these wheeled carts to move things, how to grow these foods, what's the best way to do this? Um, so this is something discovered during that time. 1.1.1b uh, is that people lived in small groups that structured social, economic, and political activity. These bands exchanged people, ideas, and goods. Um, so this is referring probably more to our hunter-forger groups, our most primitive um, ways of life. And this is when, um, you know, so the people would actually exchange people for people, period, people would marry into other tribes, as well as these are the only ideas that they had, and the goods that they produced, those were the only goods that were available during this time. So these hunter-gatherer societies were the first economic and political groups, if you can even call it that, that existed in society. So on to key concept 1.2. Beginning about 10,000 years ago, some human communities adopted sedentism and agriculture, while others pursued hunter-forager or pastoralist lifestyles. Different pathways had, that had significant social and demographic ramifications. So we talked about this. Um, some people began agriculturalism lifestyles and grew their own food, um, made permanent settlements, while others continued a pastoralist lifestyle and they moved around and they depended a lot on their herds. And one of these lifestyles is not better than the other. Both of them gave rise to, um, you know, different groups of people that we're going to talk about in later periods. <laughs> An interesting one, the Mongols, a pastoralist group that became very powerful in period three. Um, so key concept 1.2.1, the Neolithic revolution led to the development of more complex economic and social systems. A, Possibly as a response to climatic change, permanent agricultural villages emerged first in the lands of eastern Mediterranean. Agricultural emerged independently in Mesopotamia, the Nile River Valley, Sub-Saharan Africa, the Indus River Valley, the Yellow River, 
Valley, Papua New Guinea, Mesoamerica, and the Andes. And we didn't talk about all these places, but we definitely hit the highlights. So the Mesopotamia, Nile River Valley, that's going to be your Egypt, Indus River Valley, um, Yellow River is the Shang Dynasty, and Mesoamerica and the Andes, um, that's going to be your Olmecs and your Chauvin. Um, B, people in each region, region domesticated locally available plants and animals. So again, agriculturalism and pastoralism, you domesticated plants, uh, you're growing plants over and over again, animals, um, they are an integral part of your herd. Um, C, pastoralism developed in Afro-Eurasian grasslands, affecting the environment in a variety of ways. Um, so yeah, this is affecting the environment because obviously the pastoralisms, the pastoralists were living uh, there, but they also like with their herds um, could actually help parts of the environment like the grass and the like central asian steppes grow and things like that but they also ate the foods of these the environment um but this did not have like a poor environment environmental impact like humans did later in history um agricultural community oh sorry d agricultural communities had to work cooperatively to clear land and create the water control systems needed for crop production drastically affecting environmental diversity um, yeah, so sometimes, like, we think that agriculturalism actually somewhat reduced environmental diversity because humans started growing the same foods over and over again, and eventually this took a huge toll on the environment. Um, but this did lead to the creation of new technologies, like we talked about irrigation systems. Um, people developed these so they could water crops more efficiently, and this is something we still use today to water all of our crops in the world. Um, 1.2.2 begins with agriculture and pastoralism begins to transform human societies. A. Pastoralism and agriculture led to more reliable and abundant food supplies, which increased the population and led to specialization of labor, including new classes of artisans and warriors and the development of elites. So because of specialization of labor, because everyone had this newfound time, not only do new technologies and arts like pottery and tools form but governments began to form um social classes began to form um you know people were not so equal in society anymore um b technological innovations led to improvements in agricultural production trade and transportation so again we talked about this um we load carts that was something that definitely helped composite bows examples would be pottery and wheels we talked about that um, and C, patriarch patriarchal forms of social organization developed in both pastoralist and agrarian societies. So because of specialization of labor, um, women, you know, started to stay home more. They did not have the same role in society as men did any longer. And finally, key concept 1.3. The appearance of the first urban societies 5,000 years ago laid the foundations for the development of complex civilizations. These civilizations shared several significant social, political, and economic characteristics. So all the civilizations we talked about before in the overview um, were very similar, and they basically gave rise to all the civilizations throughout a people's history and just generally in the world. So... 1.3.1 1. 1, 
core foundational civilizations developed in a variety of geographical and environmental settings where agriculture flourished. And here it provides us with some examples. So it says Mesopotamia and the Tigris and Euphrates River Valleys. We talked about that one. Egypt and the Nile River Valley. We talked about that. Mohenjo-Daro and Harappa in the Indus River Valley. Shang in the Yellow River Valley. Olmec in Mesoamerica. And Chauvin in the Andean South America. So we talked about all these civilizations. And if you noticed during the overview, it might have sounded a bit repetitive because all of these civilizations... You know, they had to be in places where agriculture was, and the land was fertile. And they all employed similar practices because it was all the same time period. And just something to keep in mind, um, the world was not connected, like, barely at all at this point. So, like, the Olmecs did not know that the Chauvin were there. Um, things like that. And so just, just kind of, like, keep that in mind. Like, as time goes on, obviously, um, you know, Europe recognizes Asia, they know that it's there, but at this point, not so much. Um, 1.3.2, the first states emerged within core civilizations in Mesopotamia and the Nile River Valley. A, states were powerful new systems of rule that mobilized surplus labor and resources over large areas. Rulers of early states often claimed divine connections to power. Rulers also relied on the support of the military, religious, or aristocratic elites. Um, yeah, so we talked about how a lot of these rulers um, either claimed that they were gods or could have a connection with God, and that was really the earliest form of, hey, that means you're a leader now. Um, and all of these leaders, you know, kind of had support throughout the societies and, like, the military and especially the development of the elite class, you know. Um, these were kind of the people that were working more with the person in power rather than the peasants. B, as states grew and competed for land and resources, the more favorably suited had greater access to resources, produced more surplus food, and experienced growing populations, enabling them to undertake territorial expansion and conquer surrounding states. So again, because of agriculturalism, because people could grow food, um, this led to populations, you know, growing, populations becoming more stable, and more people allowed them to undertake you know, conquering more lands, conquering, you know, um, there are probably plenty of peoples that we haven't talked about, and places like um, the Shang Dynasty could expand. Um, C. Pastoralists were often the developers and disseminators of new weapons and modes of transportation that transformed warfare and agrarian civilizations. Um, so we talked about some of these examples, but it even listed here for you. So new weapons were composite bows and iron weapons, while new modes of transportation were chariots and horseback riding. So because of the way the pastoralists live, they developed these super important technologies that people still use today and used throughout history. Um, 1.3.3 says that the culture played a significant role in unifying states through laws, language, literature, religion, myths, and monumental art. Um, A. Early civilizations developed monumental architecture and urban planning. And urban planning would kind of be like the building of things. We talked about um, ziggurats in Mesopotamia, as well as the pyramids in Egypt, um, as well as a lot of these civilizations built defensive walls because there are a lot of you know people out there, a lot of times pastoralist groups would attack um, civilizations and things like that but yeah so all of these things that were built are examples of 
urban planning as well as you know architecture because a lot of these things were actually really I guess pretty um, B systems of record keeping arose independently in all early civilizations and writing and record keeping subsequently spread so again in Mesopotamia that is your cuneiform while in Egypt, um, these were hieroglyphics and these served very similar purposes, especially of record keeping and just like keeping the society on track. C. States developed legal codes that reflected existing hierarchies and facilitated the rule of governments over people. Um, so the code that we talked about is the Code of Hammurabi. So this, you know, started to help the formation of the government started to put rules in place for people and people couldn't just do whatever they wanted anymore. Um, you couldn't kill a person, you know, that, that had consequences now in these more advanced societies. D, new religions, new religious beliefs that developed in this period, including the Vedic religion, Hebrew monotheism, and Zoroastrianism, continued to have strong influences in later periods. Yeah, so if you think about that, Hinduism or the Vedic age, but which led to Hinduism, you know, that's still a very prominent religion today and a big religion in a lot of places, you know, later down the line. Hinduism is, continues to be one of the main religions in India and led to a lot of things that happened in history, such as uh, the partition of India. Um, same with Hebrew monotheism. Um, you want to talk about like the Israel, Israeli-Palestinian um, conflicts, Okay, well, the Israelis are Jewish, um, and there's a lot of Jewish people throughout society. It's still today. And Zoroastrianism, um, while that may not have a huge impact still in today's life, um, that was a huge religion of the Persian Empire in period two. So they, all those religions influence civilizations throughout history. E, interregional cultural and technological exchanges grew as a result of expanding trade networks and large-scale population movements, such as the Indo-European and Bantu migrations. Um, so yeah, inter-regional trade began to develop, and trading is a huge part of history. In a later period, we're going to talk about these big trade routes. But again, this laid the foundation for that. Um, the trade between Mesopotamia and Egypt, uh, Mesopotamia and the Indus River Valley, Egypt and Nubia, so goods that you could not get on your own, goods that your environment could not sustain, you could get from other environments near you. Um, so this allowed people to have a surplus of different things and became really important for later, um, or later civilizations. Finally, F, social hierarchies, including patriarchy, intensified as states expanded and cities multiplied and you know i really just can't stress this enough that patriarchy is something that develops now in the very earliest forms of history that we know of and still affects all of our lives today while it might not be as stratified as it was um it was very stratified as some of the periods period two period three period four go on um you could say that it gets a little bit better but there is still a lot of that present in society today and that arose because of agriculturalism. So when you first start reading the key concepts, they seem kind of scary. They have a lot of big words that, you know, you might not know what they mean. You know, when I first started looking at key concepts, I was like, what does this mean? 
but I hope that you got from some of my explanations and the overview that I gave at the beginning that all it means is really, you know, just the things that happen in society that we talked about. You know, when it's talking about like surpluses and things like that, like that's just, you know, agriculturalism. So make sure like when you are learning things about the each period that you're trying to relate those to the key concepts because that's going to make them a whole lot less scary. Um, thank you guys for listening. This was my very first episode, very first time making a podcast, so I hoped you liked it, and I hoped you learned a little something about period one of history. Um, next episode, we will be covering period two. Bye! <laughs>